Hi, and welcome to episode 69 of Chris's Quarantine with your host, Chris. <laughs> this is our very special anniversary episode. Um, definitely not any kind of a, a prank or an April Fool's joke, because that would be inappropriate, and we are a very serious serious con- content, con- podcast. Words are hard. Especially <laughs> since this episode won't come out until like a month and a half after. It's not the point. <laughs> we recorded it on April Fool's. This is April Fool's for somebody. Star Wars has no April Fool's, which is actually sad, and actually the topic of discussion for today's podcast no, they have Wookiee Fife Day, where all the Wookiees come out and play small fluted instruments. Really? As a joke. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that means we're going to start the real podcast. There it is. Monsters. Uh, oh, that's great. Uh, I hate you. I hate you. Why isn't I, I in no way expected you to believe me. <laughs> I, I deeply, I deeply desired Wookiee Fife Day in that moment, and now I'm just disappointed and hurt. They well, all now, wear powdered wigs, oh. and they get drums involved, well, too. Okay, well, now, I just can't trust you now. Now I know what to do if my writing career ever takes off to the point that I work for Disney. I'm just going to make Wookiee Fife Day a real thing. <laughs> just for you, Chris. Please do. Just Thanks. for you. I appreciate it. Welcome to Legends of the New Republic, Episode 7. This is Chris. I'm doing the intro today because I already did my April Fool's joke, and technically this episode won't come out until like a month later, so it wasn't funny, so we cut it out. Because David sucks. Note to future David or Jay or whoever's <laughs> editing this, don't cut that out. <laughs> Do not leave in the awkwardly long silence just for the giggles. <laughs> and joining us today we have... Uh, intro to- hi, I'm I'm Jason and I'm totally normal and totally didn't f- lose my book. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wookie Fife Day! Hi, I'm Jay, a.k.a. SharkRate24, and I did have a witty intro for today's episode, but I came up with another one, because since Kat's not here, I'm technically best girl now. Ayo! (laughs) And I am David, and uh, as Jay said, Kat is out, she has a sore throat, and uh, may have something more serious, Uh, we're thinking probably strep i think at this point but we don't know so we're all hoping that she feels better soon but obviously she doesn't want to record an hour-long mm-hmm. podcast with a sore throat also cat so. is always best girl <laughs> not this... for this episode if cat is listening then cat is still best girl and since we can't <laughs> prove that cat isn't listening to this in the future cat is always best girl is, is she like schrodinger's cat in this point now or what <gasps> Because we can't tell if she is or isn't listening. You're right. You're right. She is Schrodinger's cat. And I honestly think that's the best thing we've said about cat all podcasts. <laughs> I also now demand t-shirts to be made of cat's face that just says Schrodinger's question mark. What is happening? I haven't even finished the intro. Chris is running this podcast. That's what's oh happening. God. Hey, David, I'm what so did you sorry. say? What did you say before we started recording about how we were all done with our rabbit holes? I said last episode was like the peak rabbit trail, so we had to do better this episode. <laughs> I told you specifically, this is now week two of the quarantine, we so there's no way that's happening. Oh, See, boy. when you right, say so... stuff like that, that's just, that's just tempting the gods. So. <laughs> so passing it back to David so that he can get us back on track. What chapters are we looking at today that we've all clearly read, including Jason who lost his book? 
<laughs> we are on Wait, chapter hey, David 10 hasn't even and done possibly 11 yet. if we're lucky. Oh, no. Oh. Wait, I'm David, and I didn't do my intro. Banked. So we're on chapters 10 and maybe 11 of True Set Bakura. <laughs> Guys, I just want to take a second to point out we are so professional. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we've, we've got this whole podcasting thing aced so far, so. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the magic my... of editing, we only ever sound like one of us talks at once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting in the mail for my check right now. <laughs> and by that, I mean I am actually in the mail waiting. I am. My internet is being so slow right now, and all I'm hearing is the the echo of David's laugh, and it sounds like Palpatine. Unlimited power. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, <laughs> we're on chapters ten and eleven of <laughs> Trisit Bakura. Uh, last week we left off after an incredibly awkward family dinner slash uh, not really family dinner but diplomatic dinner, uh, in which the rebels finally, finally managed to get an official truce at Bakura with the Imperials, and so. We move on to chapter hey, 10, hey, where our old hey, brainwashed friend... Hey, David, friend that's the title of the book, David. David, that's the title of the book. No right, way! David! David. <laughs> okay, this is a note... Sound this effect! Is a note, <laughs> this is a note to the editor. Please cut in um, roll credits, ding, from CinemaSins. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to Dev on the bridge of the um, Sherware, which is impossible to pronounce. But I don't want to translate it, because we already learned what it meant. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's brought up to the bridge of the shore to be interrogated by both uh, Blue Scale and the Admiral of the Sea Rook Fleet, uh, or Sea Ruvi Fleet, Admiral Ivpicus, which is hard to spell. Um, so he is brought to the bridge and they begin to interrogate him, uh, trying to figure out about this other Force <laughs> user that Dev has revealed that he has sensed uh, this other person that feels like his mom, but more powerful and more trained. And they discover that um, basically Dev reveals that he knows more about this person than he, he went on before that they're vastly more powerful than he is. And the sea Rook begin theorizing that if they could capture this more powerful Jedi person or force user, they could actually strap him into an entechment chair and use him to entech people over great distances with the force. Which seems like a leap for such untested science, but you know it's their it's their weird murder chair. Um, we need stakes for this conflict. <laughs> we yeah. can't just have their <laughs> lives in jeopardy. We have to have everyone's lives in jeopardy. I thought you meant stakes, like as in literal stakes, because I'm oh, hungry. That would have been better. I, yeah. I, yeah, I got that one too. Uh, note for editor: <laughs> Please make that sound like Chris meant actual stakes. <laughs> that's going to be my shtick from now on is I'm going to stop and be like note for editor and no one's ever going to take it out they're just all going to be left with this being like note to editor everybody and then, oh man and then David and I will adamantly just ignore that we'll just keep your <laughs> note to editor and then we'll just put in something completely random and different from what you asked <laughs> the first the first like comment we'll get on these videos should be like should we tell Chris that they never edit out his notes <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, so <laughs> the the Siruk combine their use of hypnosis and, and good old-fashioned brainwashing and, you know, browbeating Dev uh, to get him to tell them Luke's name and location, which he ferrets out through the Force. He kind of senses Luke's name through the Force 
and that he's in uh, Salas Dar, the capital of Bakura. Uh, so they're basically he... trying to omegle him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're just reaching when out to see who about it is. it, they're, they're, they're using Dev to <clears throat> omegle him. <laughs> Oh, oh! So he's gonna he's gonna start playing a bass guitar like Davey Five Hundred Four, because that's the only thing people do on Omega, right? Right. Um, sure. <laughs> Let's just go with the that. interesting thing here is that Dev is actually starting to show a lot of signs of inner disgust at the sea root during this scene. His brainwashing really seems like it's starting to wear off. He is uh, annoyed with them at first for kind of brushing him aside. He feels like he's being replaced by Luke and that he wants their love. But then even more and more as the scene goes on and, the, and, and later on in the scene, we see Dev no longer thinking, oh, I want their love. Instead, he starts to think, you know, they're stripping my humanity away from me. They're, they're using me as a tool. Uh, and he tries to use the force to warn Luke that the Sea Rook are coming. Uh, Luke has... It's limitedly successful. I mean, he has a nightmare about the Sea Rook invasion. Um, but he doesn't really get the full message, I think. If, if um, anything, he, uh, Dev has gone from wanting the love of the, what, what's the plural? Saruk or Saruvi? Saruk. Yes. It's super Saruk. confusing and I he say it wrong want, every time. <laughs> he doesn't want the love of the Saruk. He wants the love of Luke, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, in some yeah. senses, he does seem to want to reach out and connect to Luke because it's a connection to his humanity, and it reminds him of his mother, which is the only other human that he has ever known, as far as I can tell. Which reminds him of his Oedipus complex, which reminds him of <laughs> I, Luke. Luke's I mother. was gonna make that joke, but then I thought it was in too bad taste, so I <laughs> it, restrained it was, myself. <laughs> it was, and I did, and you're welcome. <laughs> so meanwhile, back on the ship... Even... I guess it makes it even more Greek if he's bi, though. <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> the Isle of Lesbos was in Greece. So Blue Scale arrives at Firawang's chambers. Firawang is uh, the specific sea rook that has control over Dev's life, basically. And he says that they have a mission for Dev, but that he needs, quote-unquote, to be fully renewed before this. Uh, and we kind of get the sense that renewal is whatever they do to Dev that really brainwash him into the super-compliant version of himself. Uh, he panics because he was just now planning how to resist even more before they renewed him again. Uh, there but they is take no him away. war in Bossing Say. There basically. is no war in Bossing Say. <laughs> My roommate and I just no actually finished that. My roommate and I just finished rewatching Avatar, and it is such a creepy season. I love it so much. <laughs> so yeah, they take him away, they brainwash him, and he is uh, back to being good old brainwashed Dev. And he sets out to learn the details of his new mission for uh, the Sea Rook. Back on Bakura, diplomatic incidents are erupt when uh, some anti-alien racist Bakurans attack a set of Mon Calamari rebel crewmen who were on shore leave inside of an Alliance cordoned off landing pad on the planet. Uh, Luke and the rest of the crew intervenes in the conflict. I think it's actually just Luke and Chewie that intervene. Um, but the racist Bakurans are not impressed with Luke's lightsaber, calling him sword boy and telling him basically just get out of here. Like we're killing these aliens because they're aliens. We don't want their kind here. Exactly. Um, and racist so Luke is a little mind just, probing. Racists just ruin everything. That's that's my rule of thumb. 
Racist yeah, and then the, the Mon Calamari actually kill some of the Bakurans. They don't kill any of the... Like, they kill them in self-defense. Yeah. Um, the Bakurans don't get any of the Mon Cal's, and the Mon Cal's are just annoyed. Basically, they're like, look, we're on shore leave, and these, we, these wackos just came out of nowhere. And Luke's just like, ugh, why didn't anyone think to keep the aliens on the ships? Um, he says, walking next to Chewie. I know, <laughs> right? like, wait right? a minute, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Luke just kind of forgets sometimes that Chewbacca is a seven and a half foot tall furry guy. <laughs> like, no, I think it's just that Luke, despite being one of the last greatest Jedi masters, is just a complete idiot. <laughs> sometimes. Is he actually a master at this point, though? Is no, he I just mean, a knight like his father He has him? just sort of gotten to the point of feeling comfortable calling himself a Jedi. Um, and it will become a plot point over the next, I don't remember how many books, that he won't start a Jedi <clears throat> Academy because he does not feel qualified to teach anybody. Um, how does he get qualified? There are none of them left to qualify him. He spends a good chunk of time trying to find one. <laughs> In fact, it will be a major plot point when we get to the Thrawn trilogy is Luke being like, somebody else needs to know more than me. So, not a Jedi Master Luke uh, still <laughs> tries to do his Jedi thing and he reads the minds of the racists and discovers uh, in, not like hardcore evidence or anything but at least impressions that Governor Narius basically bribed them to cause trouble for the rebels and you know incite an incident and then Luke basically sends them back to Narius and says you know tell him we can police our own landing paths uh, and so the tension is diffused for the moment, but there's still the matter of the two dead Bakurans to deal with. Um, so we skip back to Leia. Yeah, I mean, is is there really, like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from a diplomatic perspective, yes. <laughs> I, I love that. Is it really? <laughs> uh, I, I as just... ever, the official story is never going to go into the truth of the matter, that two random racists tried to attack people and got killed for it. And uh, obviously Narius is trying to provoke something he can use to null and void the treaty. Um, so, you know, our heroes have their hands full trying to <laughs> to nurse their tenuous truths through to the point that it can actually do anything. Um, and then we get a really interesting scene, and one of my favorites in the book so far. Uh, Leia is in bed at home, or, you know, in her quarters, and a force ghost shows up. And she doesn't recognize the Force ghost. She's just like, oh, this is sort of like what, what Luke described when Yoda or Obi-Wan would talk to him. But it's not Yoda or Obi-Wan, it's Anakin. And Anakin shows up and says, hey, remind Luke that anger is the path of the dark side, please, because I can sense he's getting frustrated about everything that's going on. <laughs> and I did. And Leia's like, uh, who are you? And he goes, I am your father. <laughs> and she's no, like, oh, uh, bitch, get I out. I am your father. And then Leia is is not happy. She's very upset. Uh, she, uh, you know, demands to know why he's there and what he's doing in her room and why he's even, like, talking to her. She hates Get out of my that. room, Dad! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and Anakin says, although he's been forgiven, and I'm assuming he means by Luke, he still has a lot of things he's done he wants to atone for. And so he's come because he wants to help Leia let go of her own anger because he doesn't want to see her walk the same path he did. He knows that Leia is very angry at him specifically, but also at everything else going on in Bakura right now. And so he has shown up to try and get her to relax a little bit and let go of that anger, uh, specifically by forgiving him. 
she comes actually surprisingly close to forgiving him. She starts thinking about all of that, and she's like, can I really forgive him for destroying Alderaan, for all of his evil acts? How um, did but then she realizes look? that he tortured Han, and she is done with him. She's like, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. You tortured, you tortured my guy, and I'm done with you, so you can leave now, and I'll never forgive you. <laughs> this is technically the first time we see him in the extended universe, correct? Yeah, this is the first time outside of the end of Return of the Jedi that Anakin... Skywalker speaks. So is Anakin uh, is Anakin a an aged up version like the one we see in um, the Visions of the End, or is he a younger version, like an impression of what they think he? Would I like? would assume, based on the when this was written, that they are going off to the original cuts of the movie, which used the actor who played um, Darth Vader in the specific scene where he takes the helmet off uh, to be Anakin. So he's like a, a middle aged guy um, hmm. with like darker hair. Uh, not the newer versions where it's Hayden Christensen because right. uh, there's actually I, a reason to, to know who Anakin is. I was just wondering because uh, it would have been really interesting if they'd taken it down um, that path and they'd been like, you'd had someone be like, yeah, here's this younger person who looks a little bit like Luke. And I was thinking about like what that process would have looked like yeah. for the writer to try and like back engineer a, lo- a younger Anakin. Um, I'm going back way. through the chapter because I don't think it specifically mentions how old the guy looks. I was about to say, I so, can't really remember much about the description of him, and I'm realizing I should have checked that out more now. Let me see. Well, it was really vague. Um, they, If anything, the description was mostly based around what he was wearing, like the cloak. Mm. Almost um, intentionally vague, as though they were trying to I, keep from I, When having... I was listening to it, it felt like, you know, they were describing the outfit a lot more than the person as kind of a here's a figure with a blank slate of what the reader imagines Anakin Skywalker to look like. Kind yeah, of actually feel. all it says about him is that he is tall and and then he is uh, has a broad pleasant face and dark hair. So, you can interpret that as whichever actor for Anakin you and, want really. Kind of the really, Alfred wanna... Hitchcock style of of describing stuff, leaving it to the uh, leaving it to the <laughs> imagination of of the reader. Okay, Which I so think is, is while, smart in this case. But while we're on this topic, I wanted to touch on the topic of Force Ghosts because it's mm-hmm. something that really um, uh, interests me is um, what determines what a Force Ghost looks like. And mm-hmm. what made me think of it was actually, you know, we mentioned Avatar <clears throat> The Last Airbender earlier. Whenever a previous Avatar shows themselves to the current Avatar, it kind of shows them in the prime of their career. Uh, not necessarily the, their, them what they look like right before death or anything. Um, and then some avatars seem to just take on whatever form they want to take on. And it's really vague. <laughs> so I was kind of wondering, you know, with with the Force Ghost, what determines a Force Ghost appearance? Um, does it depend on, like, what they look like at the point of their death? or what they might have looked like at the prime of their life or what they want sure. what they want other people to see or maybe it's even influenced by what others think of the person like i, I would say it's probably what they looked like when they died <sighs> except that in the new cut of star wars uh, in the return of the jedi it's young anakin it's young anakin although i think there is some attempt to make him look a little bit older with makeup but it doesn't really show through well the, i think the way the i interpreted that was that we were seeing him before he was turned. 
So right. that was the, the last meta, time the meta, Anakin the, Skywalker was Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, it was the it was the real and spiritual death of Darth Vader and the phoenixing of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, so I I would say based on the just the Force ghosts that we've seen, it's probably just sort of based on what they looked like when they died. But I don't know that it's a hard and fast rule because. I think it's I think Star Wars was, Force Ghosts they could probably look like whatever they want to manifest I, as. Say, I, I I personally like the idea that with and you know we haven't gotten too far into the book. What I what I would have done as the writer of this is whenever Luke Luke and Leia are both very strong in the Force obviously. So um Anakin's uh, appearance to Luke would be different to his appearance to Leia because they each have very different ideas of who Anakin Skywalker was. So I feel like, especially when a force ghost is appearing to someone strong in the force, that that person's cognitive perception of who that person is would probably have an, an influence on what the force ghost looks like. That's just I like that interpretation. That's just my interpretation and theory of it. But yeah. I yeah, saying, I think that's interesting. I'm not actually sure that Anakin ever actually manifests to Luke outside of the end of Return of the Jedi. There's an alternate Legends. concept that I really like with Force Ghosts, but I don't think that it really ties through for Jedi apparitions as more of the Sith. In um, Knights of the Old Republic, there's a scene where you talk with Ajanta Paul <clears throat> in his tomb, and you can tell that he himself has actually degraded over his existence as a Force Ghost. Um, and that he has oh, kind yeah. of actually aged and lost information and kind of um, dilapidated in somewhat. And I feel like if they probably had the material to actually um, show that in the game, it would have been a much... Um, they would have showed someone who was clearly unraveling probably physically as well as mentally at that point. Um, that actually brings up an interesting point that I just realized, because in Legends especially in the old republic stuff because i don't think it really happens more much in the um the, i guess what you could call the modern era of star wars but there are a lot more sith characters in the old republic era and they sort of drew this interesting dichotomy where a jedi who died or a light sider who died and became a force ghost um they sort of merge back <clears throat> into the force <clears throat> and so they remain themselves as a force presence like when they come back as a force ghost it's really them Mm -hmm. they are manifesting as themselves with their memories and they're like you know kind of a life after death sort of thing whereas um sith force ghosts and sith who died it has a much more like um like a harry potter ghost feel where like nearly headless nick explains that like he was so afraid to die that he wouldn't go past the mm -hmm. threshold and mm -hmm. so he's just sort of stuck wandering the land of the living in a half-life. Yeah, the um, distinction for me is kind of like Sith haunt a place. You know, usually you find like them haunting an area or a place of power, whereas mm -hmm. Jedi seem to carry forward into the people's lives that knew them. Like mm -hmm. you see Obi-Wan appearing to Luke. You don't see him like right. haunting anything or appearing to other people. You see him appearing to Luke. Um, whereas, you know, a Sith apparition might appear to anybody um, who is interested, like, as long as they were in that right area where they might be right. communed with. And it, it, it kind of goes back to, I think I mentioned this in an, in an earlier episode, some of the, the very few and far between uh, extended lore that I had been exposed to prior to this mm -hmm. uh, podcast, there is a Sith Lord 
who talks about the darks, not just the dark side of the force, but the nature of the force being naturally dark and naturally it has this pull towards the dark side. So the reason why Jedis are constantly having to, you know, control their emotions and stuff is because of the natural pull of the dark side uh, or of, of the force towards the dark side. Um, so perhaps that is part of the reasoning why Sith force ghosts are a lot more dilapidated and distraught. And, uh, based on what you guys described, it reminds me of a Christmas Carol. Mm, yeah. Kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it, uh, that's, that's what I had pop into my head is that, you know, the reason, maybe the reason why when a Sith dies, their force ghost is so de destroyed like that is because in life they were already so far into the dark side that after they were reunited with the force, there wasn't really much of them left spiritually. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah, especially with how much they talk about a Sith kind of carving up pieces of themselves and their essence, their soul basically for power. That is, a, that is like, a very interesting interpretation. Um, it's actually very similar to my faith, the Baha'i faith, and how we view sin. Um, the you know a lot of a lot of religions are like, oh, if someone's sinning, you have to punish them. Whereas in Baha'i, in the Baha'i faith, uh, we don't believe in punishing sinners, and except in extreme cases like murder or rape or something like that. You know. If someone mm -hmm. is doing something that is going to be harmful to their soul, um, that is their own decision to make. And that, like I said, it is going to do harm to their soul in the afterlife. And so they may not be as complete in the afterlife as, as someone who, you know, restrains from doing, uh, participating in sin. Mm -hmm. I think that lines up pretty nicely with what we see of the Sith, actually, especially in the Old Republic. Because, I, I mean, the only real example of, like, Sith-Sith we have uh, in the movies is is Palpatine. And we don't really see too much right. of him in Legends and uh, we really don't in the way that we see. And we really don't see any kind of, like, ex examples of his existential ideology or anything like that. Um, Unless you read Darth Plagueis. <laughs> in which case, you don't see it at all. You interpret it with your imagination. Um, <laughs> But well, I, I think that there's an actual, before we move away from Force Ghosts in general, I think that there's an actual <laughs> um, kind of an interesting extension of their philosophy in general of the Sith are about will to power um, and really about what they can, um, like freedom is their primary good and what they seek. Um, normally that is through dominating others and things like that, which would make sense that if essentially what happens when you die is that you rejoin with the force, that those spirits would resist that rejoining mm -hmm. and would attempt to um, regain, um, maintain some semblance of self beyond simply kind of melding with this higher thing. Um, whereas the yeah, Jedi I, kind I of believe in gaining peace through acceptance and in through releasing of like the general rules of the galaxy, like the idea of um, there being no self and through that gaining kind of an understanding of self is big in their philosophy, which I think plays out in their afterlife as well in that because they're okay with 
sort of rejoining with the force, they also end up maintaining something of themselves afterwards. Yeah, because I mean, I can't remember exactly what it said, but there was a passage I remember from Darth Plagueis, specifically where Plagueis is, is talking to Palpatine during one of their first exchanges uh, as Master and Apprentice. And he says something like, you know, not even dark Jedi are really Sith, quote unquote, in the sense that the Sith don't believe like, oh, we fell to the dark side and now I embrace it. The, the Sith go out. I think he says something like we stalk it as hunters. Like we decide that the ultimate good in the universe is power. Like the only thing that matters is collecting power for ourselves. The only reason there are two Sith is because uh, Darth Bane way back in the day thinks, okay, there needs to be a Sith powerful enough to embody all of the eve, all of the power of the dark side. Um, but what happens if that person gets complacent or dies? Sith are over. So there's always got to be a second one who's constantly trying to overcome the most powerful one. And it's this weird, like, capitalist thing where they're just competing, trying to make each other better until one of them kills the other one and then goes to find a replacement. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. That's also kind of where, like going back to episode one, why I think that in the existential ideology of this of Star Wars, there really is no moral stakes for people that are not either Jedi or Sith, um, because essentially they have no um, stakes in the afterlife, because we don't well, know that's, what see, what's, normal What's interesting to me that. is that it really isn't until late in Legends um, that I think the implication or the assumption that not everyone has the Force became common. It was sort of this like weird distinction where it was almost like jedi and muggles basically like if you have force sensitivity then you actually have the force whereas uh, i think originally and and really i think what uh canon now is doing a lot of is sort of leaning into the idea that like obi-wan said initially the force is in everybody it's just that some people have more ability to like access it right. and this uh and i think that goes a long way towards providing some you know, metaphysical hope in this fictional universe for people that are not trained as Jedi or Sith. And I mean, it, the 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 whole concept of the Force, especially with the the lines that Obi Wan says, like the Force flows through everything in the universe, every mm -hmm. rock, you know, tree, person, etc. It's very, uh, it's very similar, if not identical, to the Eastern ideas of what chi is or ki, mm -hmm. depending on your pronunciation which depending on if you're right or wrong yeah you're right <laughs> well there are different different regions that pronounce it differently no i know i'm just being well, a dick. i mean you're always <laughs> being a dick but right I mean, we talked about um, this in the intro didn't so we? so for so for the people who don't know it is and it is it is seen mostly in eastern uh spirituality in religions like buddhism and hinduism and shintoism um, it is basically, um, what, what science would describe as, you know, protons and electrons and neutrons or magnetic is, fields, energy moving basically. Yeah. That's, that's the quote scientific explanation for it. It is the energy of the universe that exists in everything, both living and non-living. Um, and it is to, to to be a bit cheesy it is a kind of a thing of equivalent exchange just like with science you know if someone were to take the chi or the energy or the force from a tree then 
that tree would, you know, would lose that energy unless provided with something else in return. And that actually is, is pretty much the basis of Gariel's religion in this book. Uh, she does not like Jedi or Sith because she feels that by accumulating force, chi, power, whatever, into themselves in order to do these great supernatural things that they do, they are, in a sense, removing it from where it's supposed to be in the universe and taking it from others uh, so that there's this, quote-unquote, less of it available for everyone else. Uh, and that's why she has a moral objection to Luke being a Jedi. Um, and and which, once again, again bringing, really it fascinating. Back, bringing it back to Avatar <laughs> once again. Bringing it back to Avatar. Because um, everything comes back it, to Avatar. It, no, it, it definitely reminds me of... Um, I think Hama was her name, the first bloodbender. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where we I'll see admit first... I have watched none of Avatar well, past the second or third well, I mean, episode. But I want to. You need to. <clears throat> Everyone in my David. life has told me to do this at this point. <laughs> and, like, it, it, like, her style of bending is very much in line with what um, uh, Luke's love interest... I forgot her name already because I'm... Gariel? Now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very, that's kind of what her image of a Jedi is, is, or any, any force user really is. Somebody who is dominating and removing, um, for the, the, for, uh, context for you, David, um, Hama particularly believes that you can remove water, um, from various living things such as flowers and trees. Um, and even the air, if you're skilled enough. And even the air. Okay. So basically she is in essence, a leech. Um, who is pulling from other living things to create what she needs to survive. And another Star Wars tie into it is that's interesting because previously all waterbenders we had seen up to that point were seen as extremely spiritually balanced as well as, you know, being healers or being um, less offensive and more defensive in, in their fighting style. Kind the of philosophy like how was very about balance and transition. Yeah, yeah and like a it, blue and lantern. It's, and it's it, it's almost spooky how it's like Jedi, Waterbenders, Hama, and what <laughs> what this religion thinks of Force users. Also, I would like to point out Hama did nothing wrong. Um, <laughs> hashtag that Sith life forever. She committed war crimes. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I can't hear you over your preconceptions of morality. <laughs> she committed so war did crimes. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You maybe just aren't enlightened enough to understand the deep moral problems that she Obama was facing. She attacked civilians, I don't, including I, children. I, I, I think that you just need to spend some more time um, enlightening yourself. Otherwise, I'm not sure you can really achieve the same level of appreciation of Hama. But it's she okay. We're all in our own steps on this journey. <laughs> Towards the dark side. <laughs> god. Yes. Oh yes. my god. Without this question. is a good time to point out that Chris's favorite color of lightsaber is red. No, I am I am a Sith, without question. Without question, <laughs> hesitation, or reservation. I am a Sith. I believe that they are the only legitimately moral force in the Star Wars universe, and everyone else is garbage. So... <laughs> I think I mentioned this a while back. Whenever we get custom artwork made, my idea, for, <laughs> my, my idea for Chris, since he's so adamant about being anonymous, is just a black cloak with a hello, uh, my name is Chris sticker on the cloak. And that's just Chris in our, in our official art. 
that that he did that once worked. play a Pathfinder character who has no name and was just known as the Cloak. He was called he was called the Cloak, and he was a good good boy. He was a cleric of piracy. <laughs> <laughs> he was a beautiful cleric of piracy. <laughs> but anyway, back in the book, Leia is um, still talking with Anakin, and Anakin makes an interesting point here that kind of leads into some meta things that were happening in the early expanded universe. Uh, Anakin says things are changing and that he might not be able to continue to manifest physically or, you know, as a force ghost to uh, Leia or to anyone again. And this ties into one of the things the early EU did very quickly, which was say, okay, we have to figure out how to get the dead people to stop talking to the living people so that the living people can move on with the plot. So, You'll see in these first, uh, at least in the first written books, if we get to books that were not chronologically first, there is a lot of effort made to get all of the plot points pertaining to the Force Ghosts done with and get them out of the picture so that we they couldn't use them as a crutch to deliver plot points. Yeah, the, um, I was, I was going to say, it's kind of like, you know, so that they don't have a deus ex machina that they can fall off. Fall right, exactly. They're saying, you know what, we need to get these Force Ghosts out of here so that the story can't involve a force ghost coming to tell someone important information anymore because that already happened a lot in the movies we need to stop that from continuing to happen in these books if we're going to actually build a cohesive universe which granted wasn't necessarily the first thing on the minds of the early eu writers but it was somewhere there um so anakin fades away leia has rejected him and told him that she will never forgive him and she storms out of her room angry and finds Han out in the living room. Uh, and she, I'm she so mad the... that my dad got out of my room that I'm getting out of my room too! <laughs> I mean, quite literally, Han's like, what's wrong? Are you mad about this Alderanian guy? The, like, the guy that kissed her hand earlier? Because <laughs> he's just like still he's feeling so a little bit. Han's like, because so... I'm still mad about it. <laughs> and she just like loses it. She's upset and she's like, Vader was in my room. And he's like, um, no he wasn't. <laughs> I saw the ashes. <laughs> I think he literally says, I took a speeder bike out to look at them. <laughs> a weird and she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. It was the ghost of, of Darth Vader. And he was like, oh, okay, I really don't understand. Um, but he tries to understand uh, and does his best to sort of sympathize with her. And he does apologize for uh, feeling jealous about the Alderanian guy, which I thought was a nice touch. And Leia doesn't take it super well. She's still too mad at Vader, and she kind of takes everything out on Han. And then Han, I get surprisingly, doesn't rise to the challenge, basically backs off and says, all right, look, I'll leave you alone. I can take a hint. And she realizes that she's simultaneously acting like her father and taking her anger out on someone and attacking the one person that she couldn't forgive Darth Vader for hurting. So she kind of uh, mellows out a little bit and apologizes and they make up. Uh, and then they start kissing, and right as they begin kissing, the comm link goes off, <laughs> causing Han to yell, No, it's not fair! <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, we've all been there. Right? It, it stays silent throughout the whole argument, and as soon as they start making up, it goes off. Specifically. Like yeah, specifically they Han Solo. the movies and went, Oh, this happens to Han a lot. I should continue this trend. Poor She's Han. Like, no, I gotta beat the movies. Gotta beat, them all, gotta beat all three movies in one book. And worse, the guy on the phone is Luke. Who <laughs> <laughs> tells them about the shooting at the landing pad. And our chapter ends with Leia having visions of the treaty papers burning in her mind. <laughs> 
as all of the uh, unrest begins uh, regarding the murder, or not the murder, but the killing of the two Bakurans. This also brings up an interesting point. Do they actually have paper? Flimsy plast. Um, that is a really interesting point in Star Wars, and it is inconsistent. Flimsy plast, I think, becomes the name of Star Wars yeah. paper, but it is often called paper, or they just completely pretend paper exists. It, de- or you know, completely pretend it doesn't. It depends on the writer in Legends whether or not any form of paper or flimsy plast or something you can write on exists. There was, and then Canon definitely went and said, "Okay, look, there's books with writing in them. They're paper." The sacred text. Look, look basically yes, exactly. anything, <laughs> anything that needs to be made, just put uh, plast behind text. it, and then there you go. So like, you're right. Oh yeah, plast yeah. steel, or, plast or steel, yeah. transparent like, steel, steel, yeah, steel, transparent steel, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and, all, and, it works. And then if it's Doctor Who, all you got to do is reverse the polarity, right? Yeah. That, you just that grab and your Star mouse Trek. and say, "Computer, where is the transparent aluminum?" <laughs> Although I think that was actually Scotty that did that. That was I'm mixing up my characters. It was it was Scotty and I, I think yeah, you're crossing the streams, dude. <laughs> yeah, you never cross the streams if you do that. Where um, are the plans to the death? <laughs> if you cross the streams, well, that's when Darth Malak drops out of the ceiling, and you don't want that. To <laughs> <clears throat> oh, Do- Doctor Who shows up in the TARDIS. Oh no, this is. This is the ultimate crossover. <laughs> this is the ultimate it's, crossover. It's, no. it's every doctor at once. <laughs> every every doctor also has a lightsaber, and it's also a different variation on the Jedi theme. Hold on. Hold Darth on. Malak is there, both with and without a jaw. Hold on. <laughs> I need to scan it. Uh, this should be happening. What's wrong with the time streams? I wish I knew where mine was right now. Where uh, I do that? No. Mine too. No, I know what's wrong with the time streams. We actually got to chapter two. Oh, no. The two chapters we were setting out to talk about tonight. So we're on chapter 11. Whoa! No! Luke... We're being too productive! <laughs> Luke goes Cat, to please pay come a back. visit to Senator Belden because he wants to kind of figure out some of the politics behind no, no. what's no, no, going no, guys, on. Guys, the... guys, 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 guys. If we all took a boombox up to like wherever Cat lives, maybe she would join us again, and we could d- be distracted enough that we wouldn't get to the next chapter. Her at this point, it's not the point. We could we could waste more time. That's the point. <laughs> the entire podcast is us just having a big road trip. We can do it. We can get through chapter eleven. It's not very long. You're, no, you <laughs> the entire like, podcast is David. <laughs> David, you're so hell bent on trying to herd the cats. I don't want this podcast to be 35 years of going <laughs> It will be 35 years or I didn't more. start. I didn't want to start a Star Wars podcast to talk about Trucid Makura. <laughs> it just happens to be the first one in long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, my laugh got uh, a little evil there, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It got it's okay. I am told constantly by multiple people that I have a villain laugh. <laughs> It happened tonight, actually. I just realized that. <laughs> I just remembered you said that. Um, so Luke goes off to see Senator Belden, who is the, I guess he's one of the senior senators. He's not the prime minister. Um, because Luke needs help figuring out the politics going on between the Alliance, the governor, and the Pecoran Senate, which are not technically imperials. Um, the senator's not there, but his mentally unwell wife, Epi, is there. And uh, Gariel is also there, which catches Luke by surprise. She's there because uh, Epi's normal caretaker had to go a call out, basically. So Gariel volunteered to go take care of Epi. Um, she's not well enough to look after herself, and uh, Epi actually believes that Luke is her dead son, Rovaden, who was killed during the um, the purges, quote-unquote, they referenced as the Empire first took over Bakura. Um, 
they also mentioned that Epi used to be kind of a resistance person. Like she wasn't like, you know, taking up arms and attacking the Empire, but she did speak out against the Empire before her mind started to slip. Does Epi have a pen with her? <laughs> no, she does not. And it's spelled oh. with two P's. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, okay. Uh, Luke realizes as he's talking to Gariel and Epi that he can sense what's wrong with her mind. Like he can sort of see where things are wired wrong uh, or have been damaged. And he says he, he feels like he has to try to help her, even though he knows Gariel's not going <clears> to <throat> approve of it. So instead he kind of compromises and tries to teach Epi through the force and through talking to her how to heal herself basically she i think he teaches her how to use like a jedi healing trance basically because she goes to sleep almost immediately afterwards and feels much more contented um and luke turns then to tell gariel that he thinks epi was deliberately harmed and that the damage to her mind doesn't feel like a natural decay or a disease um gariel's obviously both surprised and upset that he used the force uh, and that he's telling her all this, but he, he promises that all he tried to do was teach her to heal herself from the damage because he respected her beliefs, but he also couldn't leave her suffering if he could help. And she kind of offhandedly asks why he doesn't just go jump into an X-Wing and take on the whole fleet if he could do so much with the Force. And Luke basically says, I think he literally says, I might just do that if you asked me, but he's, he's like thinking that. And then he dismisses that. It's like, no, 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 don't be he's an idiot. He's such a sub. Have you, he's have you seen such a sub? Have any of you seen Gravity Falls? No. Yes. Okay. But I want okay. To. Okay. He, that scene is just reminding me of Dipper every time he's talking about Wendy and like Wendy says something. He's like, ha 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 ha, and he just whispers under his breath. He's like, I would love you. I love you right now. That's okay. Like <laughs> that just feels like Luke right now. I can see that. And then, oh my God, Leia. Is kind of like Mabel when you think about it. Much more mature her, Mabel. Her her whole attitude towards meeting new people is, do you like me? Yes, definitely, absolutely. It's true. Everything falls down into Gravity Falls once you break it down enough. I and mean, I, it's, oh. it's Gravity Falls, so of course everything falls to it. That's fair. I didn't even realize that I had played myself. You did. <laughs> what, a, what a fool I am. So at the end of the night, Luke uh, ends up feeling kind of awkward after the whole conversation because he feels like no matter what he does, he makes Gariel mad. Uh, but he leaves with Epi sleeping soundly and contentedly. And Gariel actually does call him Luke instead of just Jedi or Skywalker or something for the first time. So he feels like he's made some progress. Uh, and he leaves mostly satisfied. Um, Meanwhile, we switch back over to Governor Narius, who we learn is addicted to the narcotic fruit. Um, I think it's Nawana or Nawama. I can't remember exactly. That uh, totally that doesn't sound like a, a real life drug. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. So he's, he's addicted to the candy, and he specifically says he has two glasses of, of Nawana nectar at night, and he gets two candy breaks in the day to go Jeez. sit at the fountain and eat the candy. <laughs> Jeez! This guy has a problem. Do they have uh, AA? I mean, as long as he's keeping it to only his two per day, I feel like this yeah. is a healthy way to handle his addiction. <laughs> Do so they have AA on the his Star candy Wars break? Universe? I don't know. They, they never should. Bring it as far as I know. They, they I feel probably like, should. Actually, you know what? There Between is a storyline we will eventually get to and... if we read away far away because there's a character 
in the young adult series young jedi knights and there's a story arc where there's like a girl who's like addicted to spice and it's like the closest star wars ever gets to a drug psa (laughs) all right kids i know that you like the drugs and the satanism but yeah she also has a rapier lightsaber and doesn't know how to use it because she's not a jedi it's kind of cool um Anyway, <laughs> so Governor Nereus gets a message from Dev Sibawara, who is speaking on behalf of the Siruk. And they tell him, basically, look, we will leave. We will go away and leave your planet alone if you hand over Luke Skywalker, because we know he's there. And Nereus is like, aha! I can get rid of all of my problems at once! Uh, and he just basically accepts to break the truce, kidnap Luke, and get him to the Siruk. So... Unbeknownst to him, though, one of his aides is friends with Gariel and tells her about the agreement to turn over Luke. And so we have a sort of a pivotal moment for Gariel where she says, where she feels like, despite her allegiance to the Empire and her religious beliefs tilting her against Luke, she decides that the right thing to do is going to be to warn Luke because at least he seems to be the only person other than her uh, involved in this whole mess that actually has the interests of Bakura at heart. And that Narius is clearly acting in his own self-interest um, by bargaining with the Sea Rook. So we end with Gariel deciding to warn Luke about this instead of uh, what she would have done probably before they had their conversation at the apartment. And that's chapter 11. I, mean, I told you it was short. <laughs> we did it. We did two whole chapters. Lies we did not. I will find a way for that not to be true. <laughs> I will, um, I will get in my targets and go back in time, and we will undo that last chapter. I, I really, I thought we had some good conversation this time. I like the Force Ghost conversation. So. No, I think that I think that we did a good job. I think that there were both of these chapters were um, very plot centric and really didn't introduce yeah. like a whole lot more to the Star Wars universe. Like we talked about Anakin's ghost, which I think was a good um, a good point because this is the first Force Ghost we see. And like in some ways, like you were talking about, shapes our perception of Force Ghosts moving forward and what we're supposed to think of them as. Hey. Yeah, and I, I will go back and point out Anakin's dialogue is very... It's it's more reminiscent of the way Darth Vader speaks than of anything we would recognize as Anakin. Like he uses a very like formal tone of voice and you can really just... You can imagine James Earl Jones voicing the dialogue much more than you could imagine Hayden Christensen voicing the dialogue, which makes sense given that this was written long before the prequels existed. But it is kind of weird to go back now and read Anakin dialogue that doesn't sound anything like Anakin. Hey, David, I have a question. Yes. When are we getting our first Twi'lek character? (laughs) I like the Twi'leks, okay? I think the next one we're doing is um, a Boba Fett-centric book, and there are Twi'lek characters in that one, I believe. And it's a great book. Which one is it? I love that book. It's actually part of a trilogy of books. I think it's the Mandalorian armor. Technically, it takes place after this book, but it starts in the middle of Return of the Jedi. So I said it's second because it doesn't really take place in the middle of Return of the Jedi. Well, and because it wasn't Truths at Bakura. Well, yeah, it doesn't have any of the main characters. So I figured we should start with a main character instead of going to start a Star Wars podcast with the origins of how they decided Boba Fett wasn't dead. <laughs> And it wasn't Truce of Bakura, the greatest Star Wars book <laughs> ever written. There we go. And that's a great place to end the episode. 
So thank you all for joining me. This has been Legends of the New Republic. I'm David, and you can find us on Twitter at Legends and Rcast. You can shoot us an email at Legends of the New Republic cast at gmail.com because I could not conceivably come up with a shorter email. It was impossible. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at AKA Agent Shades. You can find the podcast on pretty much any podcast source that you can find. Um, please do consider giving us a review on iTunes. I know every podcast asks for them, but that's how podcasts are aggregated on iTunes. So if you like the show, leave us a short review. More people will see us and you'll have more people to talk about it if with. You, <laughs> if you don't like it, definitely don't leave a review because that would be counterproductive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pointing out this is about our success and not really your opinion. So please, if, <laughs> if your opinion fits with our success, please share. If not, keep it to yourself. Jay, I appreciate your opinions. Don't be offended. <laughs> Who are you, by the way, since we're doing the outros? Who am I? I am no one. You will never find me. I don't exist. I am a hood with a smiley face on it. <laughs> and I am Jason, and you can find me at Shark 20 on Twitter, and that's about it for you. I'm Jay, a.k.a. Shark Ray 24 G- Gosh darn it, Chris. You almost made me mess up on my own name. <laughs> um, my can, mission is done here. You can find me pretty much anywhere under SharkRay24. And I'm currently using this podcast combined with Animal Crossing to, to uh, procrastinate on editing my Persona 5 Let's Play, which you can find on my YouTube channel. <laughs> Woo! Yes, it's good. And also... Um, Jay, don't you have some critical videos coming? Like some essay sort of format videos? That... Uh, yeah, as soon as I figure out how to get the uh, the footage. I already have the idea for... I know which video essay I'm going to be doing first. I just need to actually get footage from the animes and stuff mm. um, that I'm <clears throat> doing them on. And then I need to actually, you know... No sneak peek for the people? No tease? No, uh, this is what um, it will be... Um, I guess I can I can I can give you a hint. I already said it's gonna be about animes. Um, you, you did, but it's all, but it's also gonna be a little bit about monsters too. Da 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 da. da. <laughs> I honestly, I honestly don't know what your video will be about. I'm, I'm, I'm um, excited. But if you want some other stuff on my YouTube, like I said, the Persona Five. Let's play. I also do dramatic readings, and one just went up today for uh, April Fool's Day, which... It's very good. Yeah, thank you. It's the first time I tried putting in sound effects and background music for one of well, those dramatic readings. it was very well done. I yeah, was impressed. Yeah, and I, um, I, I, I'm really proud with how it turned out. And I you put should go in... watch it. Yeah. That's please. to the internet, not to you. Like, I don't know you've seen it. Yeah. As you made it, I'm pretty sure you go watch your. I had to watch now. it so many times during <laughs> editing. Don't you tell have me no what idea to do, how much David. I relate to that. <laughs> no, okay. Um, I, I mentioned in the video, but for those of you who choose not to watch the video, I spent eight straight hours working on it yesterday because it was 4 p.m. yesterday, and I was like, oh, I. You know, the quarantine got my internal calendar messed up. I'm like, oh, I still have a week before April 1st. And I looked at my the calendar on my computer. I'm like, oh, I have less than 24 hours to get it up. <laughs> <laughs> and then I crunched for eight hours straight. 
That's impressive. You got him. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, that's our show. Thank you for listening and tune in next time when hopefully we'll have a full group. Uh, hope Cat gets better. I'm sure by now she is, but <laughs> I, I assume that she hasn't gotten better in the last hour. <laughs> well, I meant by the time you're listening to the episode. But for us here, it's only been an hour. Please respect the temporally challenged. It's wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, Jeremy Baramy. Ah, but not. Uh, and uh, outro music uh, over that dialogue, and we. Okay, now that's our actual outro music. We're going to do this every time now. Singing different Star Wars music at the same time. <laughs> everybody picks, everybody picks a different <laughs> outro song. So, <laughs> welcome to Legends of the Old Republic. The Republic. Shoot, words and the science. new one. It's the, the new, new one. one. This is the Legends of the New Republic. Um, this is episode seven. He said with hesitation in his voice. You are correct. Yay! Episode seven of Legends of the Republic. Right? I got that right. <laughs> Legends of the New Republic. <laughs> Dang it! Legends of the New Republic. This is okay. We're gonna pause for it. Pause for edit. <laughs>